Friendshipping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Friendshipping is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free on the App Store. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This, this is Friendshipping. And the theme this week is... Succulents, friends. That sounds way grosser than cactus, friends. <laughs> Friendship between humans has many benefits. But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Trin. Jen. Jen, it is miserable outside. I feel it's miserable in this room as well. I feel yeah. like I'm sitting in someone's mouth. It's like 90 degrees Fahrenheit outside and raining. So everything is very damp. Our spirits are damp. My hair is a frizzball. My clothes are gently damp and I smell like the outdoors. It looks like it feels like the jungle. Yeah, it does. But it's not. It's the concrete jungle. <laughs> Where dreams are made of. Last night I played in a softball game. And, um, just, you, and uh, yes, questions. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm, I, I am taking questions at this time. Oh, I'm sorry. Ms. Bain. Ms. Bain, please. Over yes, here. Yes, Tr- yes. Trin, uh, who are you with? Uh, CBS News. Yes. How can I, how can I answer your question? Uh, Trin Gertano from CBS News here. And uh, I have got a, a question for the respected Jen Bain. Jen Bain, did you run into your field bully? Um, I will not be commenting on that time. <laughs> um, I have been advised not to discuss it. <laughs> By whom? By my PR specialist, Ben Jane. But we do have an important announcement. What? This, uh, thank you all for gathering here at this uh, press conference. Won't take up too much of your time. But I did want to let you know that the snails do have a sponsor. <gasps> they do indeed have a mascot now. Oh, yeah. And they are <laughs> Trin's snails. My actual snails. Yeah. I'm excited. Jen, like, okay, so this is what happened. Katie, our friend, mm-hmm. your teammate yes. on the snails tweeted at me and was like, hey, you have actual snails. They should be the mascot of the snails. And I said, yes, send me the paperwork. So I just need to dot some I's, <laughs> cross some T's. I imagine they come with uh, some hefty sponsorship fees, uh, those snails, the damp boys. We need uh, at least half of your compost, your outgoing compost. Uh, mm-hmm. They like to eat banana peels and they like to have sex on apple cores. I think we can make that all, that seems completely reasonable to me. <laughs> Last night at the softball game, I slid into second. And I wish I could say, like, I it was like I got style points and I slid in safely into second, but I did get out. But when I stood up, I, there was like a lot of blood on my leg. Oh. Like, it hurt. It hurt. And oh. for uh, as I like limped off the field and the stadium erupted into cheers, that didn't happen. Uh, I did tell my partner, who's also on the team, I am, when we get home, I am going to make a big deal about this. <laughs> and he was like, I know. <laughs> uh, so, like, got the first aid kit out. And I did make him like spray it with peroxide. Good. And I could have done that myself, but it's kind of like I want. I just wanted him to see how big the cut was. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then afterwards, oh, yeah. he like bandaged it up, and I made eye contact with him, and he looked at me, and then I looked at him a little bit longer, and I go, "I'm very brave." <laughs> and he goes, "You are very brave." You and I was are. like, "Good job. You said your line." <laughs> I think that it's admirable of you to, you know, this is really what they say when they say take one for the team. This is what they mean. Yeah, absolutely. Is they mean bloody up your shin in the name of getting out in a softball game. It's kind of ironic that it was me because I usually bring, I'm such a dork about this. I bring like a, like a med kit in my purse. No, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. And I didn't this time, of course. So we didn't know what to do afterwards. And it honestly wasn't that bad. I just, I'm making a meal out of it because sometimes I like attention. Okay. And we didn't know what to do, so we were like, 
Should we pour LaCroix on it? (laughs) (laughs) Should we pee on it like a jellyfish thing? Trin, tell me more about the snails, because if we don't, I think we will get some angry emails. (laughs) I will update you on my snails. Okay, so snails. They're doing much better, Jen. Really? Jen, I figured it out. I cracked this whole snail bullshit wide open. This is what happened. It was not moist enough in the tank. Oh, wasn't damp enough for the damp boys? It wasn't. So here's the situation. So when I first got my snails, I was like, I'm going to use peat moss in the container. Great. They love it. They did. And they had sex all the time and laid a ton of of snail eggs in there. And I was like, I can't do this. This is too many snail eggs. (laughs) So I did half of the container with like a little bit of peat. And then the rest of it was pebbles. And they seemed to be fine. And then I was like, you know what I'll do is I'll do all little pebbles and then like, you know, their leaves and stuff because then they don't they can't bury themselves to lay eggs. Mm-hmm, so I did that. Mm-hmm. And then when I tried to reintroduce a little bit of peat moss, they were like, what the fuck is this? Um, What? We didn't ask for you to redecorate. This is not what I'm about. So they had to get used to the. So I ended up switching to coconut choir is how I think that word is pronounced. And it's full coconut choir. And I do a little spritz. A few times a day, they got a bunch of leaves now. And the other day, I walked in on three snails trying to have sex underneath an apple core. Three of them? Yes. Threesome? Yes. Well, kind of. So here's what happened. One was watching. No, there were many love darts out is what they call them. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Because as you are probably aware, listeners, the snails are hermaphroditic, so they have all of the business. So when they have sex, what they do is they battle to be the dad because being the dad is less energy than, you know, creating eggs out of your body and pooping them out. Daddy. (laughs) What I'm hoping is because three, like, so snails are confused all the time, as I mentioned before. (laughs) Same. (laughs) <laughs> they have poor eyesight and a poor sense of smell. smell. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. I, have a, I have no sense of smell and I have terrible eyesight. Truly, you should be the mascot. Yeah, give me in that tank. I think we'd all have a lot to, we have a lot in common. I still, I want, wait, when's your finals game? Because I want to make like little snail oh, bongles. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> in September, which is in a couple days. We don't have our um, playoff schedule yet and we have to win in order to play in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Which we definitely will. Yeah, you will. So I don't. No reason to doubt that. I'm not doubting anything. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, well, the snails bonking. Yes. So there's three of them because, like, all they do all day is they sniff and, and bumble around trying to find food or, a per- like, a, a snail to hang out with. I almost said a person because that's how I'm feeling about snails these days. <laughs> so what I do is, you know, I try to, to, when I clean out the tank, I put them together. Like, I put them near the food and near each other so they could easily get to the two things that they care about. And so uh, they were excited about themselves. And so the way you can tell snails are about to have sex is they bonk their heads together a little bit. I know. Oh, that is really cute to me. That I just recently learned. And I knew about the love darts previously. Can you describe what a love dart is? It looks like an almost snail-sized blown-up condom. And it's the snail penis. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so they they don't like joust, you know. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love this. But with the, but they uh, <laughs> honestly like I don't know how, how much more more detail I can get into because I don't I mean I don't stick you, around. You painted a pretty vivid picture for yeah. me. Yeah, like uh, when I when I see it, are you like, giving privacy? I give them privacy, or I put a leaf on top of them. Turn up some Al Green. Pour a little <laughs> glass of miniature <laughs> size of can. Candy. <laughs> Light some candles and be like, you guys need anything? You need a condom? Okay. No, they don't. Have a good night? They need to raw dog it because because I want to have some snail babies. Okay. So also, here's here's something that I'm grappling with with my snails. Yes. So I thought, because I previously had snails. I had an aquatic snail. And she had like 20 to 25 eggs to a clutch, I would say. 
But I have read that terrestrial snails can have up to like a hundred eggs in a clutch. Dude. Which I Whoa. don't, what am I, I don't know. That's a lot of roommates. Well, 20 is even a lot of roommates. So yeah. I'm just like, maybe I'm second guessing myself, but you know what? Uh, you did say last week you're ready for more. I'm ready for more, but I don't think I'm ready for, I only have six. Only. Only <laughs> six snails. Some people have zero. <laughs> Those poor sons of bitches. Everyone at least has one snail. Oh Someone God. out there has zero snails. Jen, so BitBash was coming up, and BitBash was this past weekend at the Museum of Science and Industry. It's this big Chicago uh, indie games expo. It's a lot of fun. It was great. But I knew that I was going to have to talk to a bunch of people, and I needed to recharge. So what I did was I took myself out for a little uh, snail snake out. So I got my night wine. I got a chair from the kitchen. I put the chair right in front of the snail tank, and I got the, the flashlight on my phone because they don't like, you know. T- oh, right. And I just gently watched my snails uh, in the glow of my iPhone 6S. It's hard to imagine anything <laughs> more relaxing than that. It was so good because, like, they move so slowly. Oh, so side note for the moisture thing. So if you are a fellow snail lover like me and you don't know why your snails are not so active. So if they curl up real, real deep into their shell and everybody's stuck on the wall and they're curled up real, real deep, that means that they don't have enough moisture. And oh, they're trying to, oh, right. Because they can't like move as easily. They're trying to maintain the moisture oh, that they have. Oh, got it. Yeah. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly. <laughs> and then when you have enough moisture, you can actually kind of see the snail's muscle foot when it's like on the the glass oh, instead. Muscle foot. Yeah, it's it's called a foot. It's like it looks more like a tongue. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what else? Jen, I have I have other I have other updates, but I'm going to tell you just about one. Can you I want you to choose one. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Oh man, it's going to be hard. So one is I had a mealybug attack on my plants. Two is I'm saving up for a huge cactus. And three, I'm cutting off my hair. Oh, man, hair. Hair? Okay. That's it. I'm cutting off my hair. Oh, you are? How short? Uh, I don't know yet. Um, I've been looking at here. Let me show you. I have pictures on my desktop to show Jen because like and also I'm probably going to like text you pictures later so you can tell me what you think. So this blonde lady, but not blonde. Oh, I like that. Who is that? That's cute. She's a cutie. Uh, some Instagram model. I like the li- the layers. I do too. So like, I had short hair for most of my life. Like, I, I know when yeah. we first met, your hair was short, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was actually the last time that I cut my hair short. I don't know why, but when I started uh, working uh, with you in Chicago, I grew my hair out yeah. and then I left it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Sorry. What you're hearing is the sound of the paper towels because I'm so sweaty in this room because I'm drinking hot coffee while we're recording in a warm studio. That it I'm feels melting. like we're in the snail tank. It does feel like, but the snails would be hooking up in here. <laughs> they would be <laughs> all about up in here. hooking up in here. Um, yeah, I'm cutting it off. And part of it is like I was thinking a lot about gender lately. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I've been noticing what choices I make because people like generally agree that I should do that rather than what I like. And like, I would say that most people, like most of my friends are like, oh, you should leave your hair long. Like it's like, it's pretty or whatever. And I know that that's why I kept it is because so many people are like, oh, your long hair, look, it's so pretty. Cause I, you know what? I do have good hair. Yeah, it's very you do pretty. have really good hair. Anyway, so the problem is I see myself with short hair though. Oh, like the image of yourself. Kind of like how you mentioned you see yourself with freckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Cut it off. It'll grow back. That's that's what I was yeah, thinking do it. too. Yeah, and it's like the only hard part about this is that like it's always a pain in the ass to grow your hair back out. Yeah, when it's in the in-between stages, it feels so weird. Right. 
Yeah. I like having short hair, but I don't like it when it's between like that one, when it becomes like a, when you need to put it up in a ponytail and it's like that tiny nub. Oh, it's so infuriating. I hate it. I see all these ladies with lobs, you know, lobs. Oh, is that like a like long a bob? Long bob. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we should All call them, long bob. We should call them blobs. <laughs> Look at that blob on her. She looks beautiful. Blob. Um, I. That's the whole thing with lobs. Is that like they're like straight into that weird hair zone where you can't have a ponytail. Anyway, um, so next time you see me, I'll still have this haircut. But then the next, next time, time after oh, that, I'm so excited. Send me pics when you get it done. I will, Jen. Uh, I am way too sweaty to keep bantering. We need to just get this. We got a. It's a long question too. Oh, God, Luckily, um, Trin did the work of editing it down. Yeah, uh, we edited it a little bit. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we appreciate all the detail. It's just you know we can't read twelve paragraphs because we might pass out in this extremely warm studio. It is warm. Are you ready? Like, I'm can ready. You, can, is like, this up to me? This is my turn, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Okay. And okay, I'm just gonna move my microphone away from me because that's Ooh. how long this is gonna take. Okay. So the question starts, Jen and Trin, and the first couple paragraphs were about the time that Asker and their friend were in college together. What we learned is that Asker and his friend lived together for a year, and then Asker graduated. After graduation, they had a harder time keeping in touch. Social networks and texting did not exist yet, and they didn't get in the habit of writing email or letters or talking on the phone. The Asker got the impression that his friend found staying in touch with people long distance to be more trouble than it was worth. Okay, so now we're jumping into what the Asker said specifically. Six years after college, I asked this friend to be a groomsman at my wedding, and he declined. Something about not enjoying crowds and travel. I was very disappointed, but I didn't take it as a sign about how he felt about me. I wish that at the time I talked to him more about it, explaining what it would mean to me for him to be there for me more, to see that it would have made a difference. We saw each other, spoke to each other a few times over the years, but only when I took the initiative. One time when I happened to be visiting him, it also happened to be his birthday. And to my surprise, an acquaintance from our college residence called to wish him a happy birthday. My friend explained that in the year after I had graduated, he and this other guy had become really good friends. It was clear that these two were much more in touch with each other than I was with my friend, and I was envious. It made me question our friendship, and it made me question my behavior. Had I been missing signs that my friend didn't actually like me that much? Had I been missing opportunities to be a better friend? I'm guilty, for sure, of being in my own world and thinking about myself instead of others. Yeah, so is everybody. But even so, it's not like my friend had reached out to me, whereas I'd made multiple visits and phone calls. Many years had passed before this January, I decided to email him again. We exchanged a couple of good emails, and in telling me about his life, he mentioned he was leading a healing retreat. I decided I could use that and asked if he'd find it awkward if I signed up for it. He was very enthusiastic, so I signed up and attended. He picked me up from the airport, and we had a short while to visit and catch up before the retreat started, and that visiting went really well. The retreat also went well. My friend was busy taking care of everybody, not just me, and the retreat wasn't about our relationship at all, so I wasn't focused on it. During that time, however, I did learn that the same person from my college was my friend's best friend now. And not only did they talk regularly, but my friend went to, out of the country every year to visit him, his wife, and their kids. I had very mixed feelings. Sounds like you still do have very mixed feelings. I'd really enjoy spending time with my friend, and he treated me like the old friend that I felt we were, but I couldn't square the relationship he clearly has with this other person that he stays in touch with and travels with. We had an awkward conversation about it before parting, in which I tried to express how strange the contracts in his relationship with me and this other person was. It wasn't satisfactory. I don't recall exactly what he said. It was something along the lines of the other person being just an amazing match. In the end, I'm left with the same question I had for a long time. Have I been a bad friend? Is that why he doesn't ever initiate contact with me? People I love and care about whom I've known for 30 years are too few and far between to let my relationship with them decay unnecessarily. Writing this has inspired me to try to set aside my envy and reach out to another overture or two to try and accept that the friendship that seems to be on offer. Ask her, he, him. Okay. 
This is a lot. But essentially the summation is that 30 years ago, the asker and this friend were tight, and then they lived together. And then the asker went away for a year, and then the friend made a new best friend. Mm -hmm. And then in the next couple of decades, the asker didn't know about this other best friend, and they continued their friendship. And the asker is just like, well, this is how this guy is. He's a cactus friend. He doesn't need a lot of care. But then he discovers that he's super, super close with this other guy. Right. So it feels to the asker like he's been doing something wrong or like he's been rejected. Yeah, that's I think that's it. But uh, Jen, here's the thing. Not being a best friend doesn't mean not a friend. Right. It might not. It could still mean close friend. Right. Right. You might be this person's oldest friend, one of their trusted friends. The person they can call. You know, there might be something significant you're missing here, which is that you've known each other so long that even though you're the one that initiates contact, they do get back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you do drop in every, what, twice a year or something, and they do respond. Yeah. I I think that the crux of this question, it doesn't seem like anything unhealthy is happening here. It doesn't feel like anybody's making any grave mistakes. It just feels like the asker thought one thing, and the, and then it turns out that another thing is true. Yeah. And I hate that feeling. I do, too. Yeah, I get it, man. It feels like you are taking a harder look at this friendship, and it's not quite what you thought it was. So let's go through what everybody's perspective is in this situation. The asker, the friend, and then the friend's, like, BFF. Yeah. So from the position of the asker, you are seeing this dude, and you are thinking, like— Oh, hey, we were really tight. Um, One thing that we we cut in the intro, actually, is that uh, the asker and his friend that's in question, they lived in a van together for a few weeks and like traveled. traveled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a lot of like really interesting, unique experiences with this person. You lived together in college. You asked him to be the groomsman. He declined. So what you're seeing is a history of feeling a little rejected over and over again. Tiny ways building up. The groomsman thing might be a little bit more than tiny, but I know what you mean, Trin. It's like they have a rich tapestry here. Right, right, right. The groomsman thing is also like a really separate thing because weddings are so complicated. So complicated. He was probably doing you a kindness by turning down being a groomsman. Yeah. Before we go into the Caltron of the Askers perspective, let's talk about the wedding thing real quick. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed like a huge blow to you. That he didn't want to be a groomsman. But there are many reasons why people turn this down. One, it's money. (laughs) Money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Money, time. It is really expensive to be in someone's wedding. And like these are also emotionally complicated situations. For example, I know people who will only have their sibling as their best man or maid of honor. And I know some people who will only have their best friend do that position. He may have felt like this is not something he could ever reciprocate for you, that maybe all of his groomsmen positions have been filled sort of thing. So just bear in mind that like some of the things that you are saying here, they feel like rejections, but they're not saying no to you. It's the situation. Yeah. I mean, they might have trauma surrounding weddings and marriages. They might have just gone through a breakup that they're keeping to themselves. So let's talk about the perspective of the man that the asker considered to be his best friend. There's no way for me to put on a magic hat and see through this person's eyes. But from the information that you've given me, it seems like he has been interacting with you kindly, but consistently putting up boundaries. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be your friend. It just means that he's been saying, this is, this is the distance that I need you at. Right. I think you're onto something. It's not that he's rejecting you. No. But he might be putting up of some little guardrails. And people do this for small reasons. They don't do it because they, are, they don't want you in their life. They do it because maybe you remind them of the weird times in college. Yeah. Or maybe he just 
only has enough time for a very few number of friends. Yeah. If this friend knew how you felt, they might be shocked. They might be like, I thought things were good. I thought we had a good thing here. So and it sounds like that they did kind of talk about it. Yeah, almost, sort of, a couple times. So he said, I tried to express how strange the contrast in his relationship with me and then the other, the actual best friend was. I don't know what was said, but it was something along the lines of the other person, the best friend, being just an amazing match. Yeah. So like that reminds me. So I, I, I hope that my personal relationships will help illuminate this situation. But so uh, Carlin is one of my best friends in the whole world. And there are certain things that I can do with Carlin that I can't do with anybody else. Yeah. Like, Carlin can sit on my couch and, like, talk to me while I fold laundry and clean my house. And, like, I can't really do that with anybody else, you know? Jen and Steven are my two friends that, like, i the only people I ever want to travel with. People's friends have different positions in their life. I think that this guy, I don't think that he's... I don't think you're incompatible. No. But I think you might be missing the mark in certain areas. Which is fine. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out a way to say this because that's the thing is that we say things like where you're missing the mark, you're not as compatible, et cetera, et cetera. But it sounds like we're trying to tell you that you're incorrect or that this friendship doesn't work or is incompatible. It's just that you have a certain place in his life and uh, either you like that or you don't. And I think that he has, the best friend has said kind of over and over again that I do like this. I want this to be this way. This is my best friend that I go to China with. And then you are the one who uh, I love to, I love when you pop up uh, in my life. I love your emails. I love hearing about your life. Even though we really get to see each other, we've been trusted friends since college. Yeah. And I'm not too surprised. I know it hurts, though. I know this probably hurt when your friend defended their best friend. was like, yeah, we're just a perfect match. Someone came to me and was like, it's so weird how close you and Trin are. I'd be like, I don't think it's weird. Yeah. Trin's amazing. We're really compatible. I don't know why. Lightning struck and we ended up working together and we're friends a million years later. Right. I would be a little defensive. <laughs> I'd be like, what's weird about it? Actually, I'd be like, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> we are weird <laughs> together. But, but you know, like you, I think you were having most of this conversation without him. Yeah. You were really filling in a lot of your hurt. And I imagine you seem like a sensitive and thoughtful person just by what you wrote to us. Mm -hmm. So I imagine you were treading carefully and then they just misread. I want to say again that the the asker has really laid out very well what they've done to reach out to this person. Yeah. You know, like you, I don't feel like there are any like awkward missteps here. It's not a weird or awkward thing for your best friend to be somebody else's best friend. Yeah. And sometimes that will hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel, there are a few people in my life I feel closer to them than I know they do to me. And some days doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, yeah, that's that's how life works. No one can be best friends all the time. And some days it does hurt. Yeah. Some yeah. days it bothers me. Yeah. Well, the thing about Carlin is like, so Carlin and I are super close and we we could like, you know, talk for hours and hours and hours. But I know that she wouldn't describe me as her best friend. I know that there are other people in her life that are her best friend. Right. And But she's my best friend. Right. And like, and that is, um, I know as an adult, a difficult thing to be cool with because as a kid, you're like, oh, BFF. Yeah. We're best friends. That's my best friend. Best friend doesn't really mean the same thing as an adult. No, it doesn't. And Trin, that's like next level friendshiping. That's like 500 level graduate school level being okay with not being someone's best friend, you know? Oh, yeah. And it took me a long time because um, so I am very introverted and I am very much a cactus friend, which is uh, what you, the asker, were treating um, this best friend as. You were like, okay, he's a cactus friend. He doesn't need a lot of watering. I don't need to pay a ton of attention to him. And he felt the same way about you. And you were both cool with that relationship. 
But it turns out he's more extroverted and lets more boundaries down with this other person. And that's okay. So it's important for me to be cool with being the friend of my best friends because I really only have so much social energy in me. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can't give Carlin what she wants, which is somebody to go to like all of her meetings with her. And like, you know, like, man, Carlin's in like so many like organizational clubs. She's amazing. Yeah. And I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's not how you live your life differently. But there are other people who can. And I love the nook that we fit in one another's lives. And that's the thing is that you're thinking about this friendship as like the daily bread that you live on. But really, it's a delicious cookie that you pick up every now and again for dessert. And savor. And savor. And savor. Two cliches that come to mind when I read this question. One, might be time to take stock of what you do have as opposed to what you don't. And two, you might be looking for love in the wrong places. Yeah. Elaborate, Jen. Yeah. I mean... It sounds like this friend maybe can't give you what you're looking for out of your friendship. Yeah. And, ah, that sucks. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like, we could have such a good thing here. Look, you're friends with them really close. Why can't we be friends like that? And I don't think there's ever going to be an easy answer for this. And I just don't want you to feel like you are doing personhood incorrectly. I don't think you are mistreating them. I don't get signs that you're a bad friend. I can feel your worry, though. I can feel that you feel like you're being rejected. And I also think you may be even more envious than you realize. Yeah. Like, I think that actually is the headline here. I don't, you buried it a little bit, but I think it's more like, I want that. Yeah. I want what they have. Like, uh, you had a different vision of even who your friend is emotionally, really. And you got like a new version. Also, like, I want to be clear again to say that there isn't, this isn't going to be a choice between letting this super good friendship decay and having a best friend. There is a middle ground, which is accept the friendship that is on offer. This is a silly metaphor, but I'm going to say it anyway. So you know how like in plays, when you try out for like the school play, you know, you want to get like a lead part, you Mm -hmm. know, but there are often these side characters that are a lot of fun. Like a lot oh, of, yeah. like, just like they have like a couple throwaways. They add the color and the wit and the, and the magic to the thing. Right. Like one of my favorite musicals is Guys and Dolls. I just saw it at a formative age. It's not particularly good. <laughs> but there's a character called Nicely Nicely Johnson, which is a hilarious like gangster name. And he has a whole number. He has one number, Sit Down, You Rock in the Boat, which is the showstopper. And like, it's so good. But it's also like pretty side tangent to the yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not um, a, a load bearing song. That is what you are like in this person's life is you are like an awesome, fun song. Like you don't have the lead role. OK, fine. You're not going to get the lead role every time, dude. But in this relationship, you are the little paprika on his life. You add like a little bit of fun. Like it's that's OK. That's not a, a wrong friendship to have. Yeah. You know, friendships, Trin, you've said this before, but friendships don't have to be Tick certain boxes to be significant. Right. You don't have to be the oldest friend and the best friend and the college friend and the road trip buddy. You can be one of those things or none of those things. You know what, Jen? Holy shit. I just realized that there is a story from your wedding that we should tell to this person so he understands that he's still important in this person's life. Oh, tell What is it? So at Jen's wedding, Jen had three bridesmaids. So uh, she had uh, two friends that she's known since she was like a wee lass. And then me, who she's known for like, well, like six like or eight, seven years. Eight years, something like there. that. Yeah. Right. I'll never be a Jen's childhood friend. And that's fine. I'm Jen's trin, which I am very happy <laughs> with. You know? At one point in the party, uh, the two uh, other bridesmaids made a speech at Jen's wedding. And it was so perfect and it was so good because they both understood Jen in the same way. They've been friends with Jen since she was like a wee lass, like I said. 
Um, it's just that my friendship is different. It's not less significant. It's just that like it's that wasn't that wasn't my place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I, and I'm so glad that that's exactly what came across because there's no hierarchy in the bridesmaids. Like they would ask me like, who's the maid, maid of honor? And I was like, all of them. I don't know. Who cares? They're all so important. But even if there were, like even if you picked like a maid of honor. From, yeah, like, you would, I know you wouldn't care. You would right. understand. Exactly. I mean, so that's the thing is like you, listener, you know how close me and Jen are. Like there are even people who like know Jen more fully than I do. And I, I cede my time to their speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when you talk about Carlin, yeah. Oh, man, I totally get it. Yeah. You guys have depth. Mm-hmm. That's important. I'm not going to touch that one. That's for you guys. Oh, man, that's the other thing is like you don't know what their backstory is with this other guy. Maybe they went through significant trauma together. Maybe yeah. they, maybe their car broke down in the middle of Canada and they didn't notice because they were singing Dashboard Confessional <laughs> and it was a holiday this in Canada. This, this has happened, happened to you. This has happened to you. Very specific example. Yeah. But like, you know, like things like that will bind you in ways that you can't really come by like unnaturally, I suppose. Yeah. What's that that cliche quote that's like comparison is the thief of joy? Blah, blah, blah. Cliche, cliche. That's but a good it's line I've so never heard. true. Holy shit, I've never heard that. You cannot copy and paste any friendship up against someone else. And if you when you start to go down that road, it is up, it's upsetting. Yeah. So let's talk about ways forward from here. Because by the end of the question, it definitely seemed like the asker was like, eh, I feel like I'm just going to like take what he's, what, he's, uh, what he's putting out sort of thing. But let's talk about that because you, don't, you also don't have to do that. Like I'm cool with my best friends, you know, being somebody else's best friend, but you don't have to. Like if you feel like you want more, then there are other avenues to go down. There are other people to talk to. Like you can make new friends. And this is going to be all of these things are like, you know, different episodes. But I just want to be clear that you don't have to accept it, even though it's a, an acceptable thing to accept. Oh, Trin, that's so good. I feel like I've said that a million times this episode. But yeah, you, you feel like you're putting in more and not getting that much back. You don't have to be okay with that. Yes. You can sit with it. You, that can be the story of your friendship. I've been on both sides of that where I can't give very much or I, I feel like I'm giving a lot. And all those friendships are valid. They're just very different. But yeah, you can decide to yourself, actually, I'm going to put less into this now. Yeah. I would prefer to give my attention and love. You can move your eye of Sauron onto somebody else and be yes. their friend. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's very individual. Yeah. I think you got to decide what would feel the most peaceful and freeing. Yes. Like if you decide after right now, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to email them. They can email me. They know how to reach me. Yeah. I get. So this this asker is um, it has a couple more decades on him than me and Jen. But I do understand wanting to keep and wanting to value very old friendships because that person knows you as somebody that you'll never be again. But there isn't anything inherently valuable in that. You can be very, very close to a new friend. And if what you're looking for is a close friendship, is a constant friendship, is somebody that you actually keep in touch with on a regular basis, like, move on. Because this guy isn't going to do that for you. Yeah, probably ever. Yeah. If they flipped a switch tomorrow, we would be stunned. Yes. And also, like, you deserve the friendships that you want. So if you want this and this is what he's giving you, great. If you want something more from him, he's not going to give it to you. But if you want something different, then go get it. Go get it. What else do we want to say? So we named the title of our Google Doc Succulent Pals 
because we suspected that your friend is a succulent and you might might be more of a, what's a needy, not needy plant, but a plant with more needs. A plant that requires more attention, I yeah. would say. Like a, how about like a, like a fern, you know, like ferns need a lot of water. They don't need a lot of light, though, some of these ferns, you know, like, you know, they just have different needs. Yeah. Um, if you want somebody to like text with every day, like go, go find them. You can find your friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that you went on the healing retreat. And I'm glad that you had a really good experience allowing him to do his own thing and also seeing him. And I think that's a good metaphor for how your lives are going to go moving forward is you can go and like and hang out while he's doing his thing. But it doesn't sound like he's going to adjust for you. Yes. I think that's the perfect way to look at your friendship going forward. Pretend you're always at the healing retreat. He's scattered doing other things, but really glad you're there. Yeah, yeah. Also, when you said, when I got to the part of your question where you said you were going to a healing retreat, I immediately thought, oh shit, everything's going to blow up at the healing retreat. Yeah, I did too. I was like, oh, Mrs. if this were like a, like a HBO dramatic show, someone's getting punched at the healing retreat. Yeah. That did not happen, yeah. unfortunately for us. Fortunately for you. Yeah, we love drama. There's another version of this script where uh, where things went real, real south at that, <laughs> at that healing retreat. Yeah. It was a, it was more of a wrestling retreat. Um, what else do we want to say? You know, I, I going back to your metaphor about like plays and like not being the main character, but you are still the protagonist in your own life. Yeah. And everyone feels like the protagonist. And you, you do have a choice here in how things go forward. You don't have to keep playing yes and with this friend. You don't have to keep adjusting to them. You can go out and get what feels right for you. Yeah. It's never too late to do that. I agree. So this has been friendshipping? This, is, this has been friendshipping. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just end it. Thank you to Ian Parman for editing. Thank you to Molly Lewis for singing. Thank you to Monica Verma for being our agent. Thank you to Lauren Gallagher for doing our design work. Thank you to Alex Cox for making the studio work. And thank you, sweet Jesus, because I am leaving this hot hell. Oh, my God. Thank you to the air conditioning outside the office. Uh, you're welcome for talking and listening. I'm too hot to think. New friendship at the problem. And I set the chair up in front of the snake. A uh, snake. <laughs> you got a snake? No. <laughs> I'm going to re-say that because I don't want to confuse anybody. Yeah, yeah.